Bang, we're back on the podcast. Hey team, going to chat about the 80-20 rule today and why I think it's bullshit. It's one of the things that I've certainly changed my mind on over the last five years or so from training athletes and I guess it's probably a bit of an old school uh, endurance training mantra that gets sort of touted out there that we should be performing 80% of our training volume at a low intensity and 20% of our training volume at a high intensity. Where I think it stems from is these traditional endurance sports like triathlons, uh, like Ironman triathlons, long distance triathlons, long distance cycling, ultra running, things like this. So I'm certainly not saying that low intensity training isn't important. It is super important. Our training, some part of our training volume should most definitely be made up with lower intensity training, like your zone two type aerobic efforts. All of my clients do zone two training in their programs. What, where I see the 80-20 rule, where it sort of falls down for off-road racing is, well, firstly, I believe that those traditional endurance sports like triathlon, cycling, ultra running, long distance running, long distance cycling, etc., etc. We can't put off-road racing in the same basket as those endurance sports. They're not even remotely the same. So riding a dirt bike is not cyclical. It's not the same thing over and over again, round and round on the pedals like on a road cycle or even on a rower where you're going in and going out repetitively. It's cyclical. It's the same thing over, 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 over. It's just repetition of the same movement. That's not what riding a dirt bike is. Riding a dirt bike is completely random. So the movements are completely random depending on the track we are riding on and they change every single lap. The track breaks down, the braking bumps get bigger, there's more braking bumps coming into the corner. Now there's acceleration chop in that rut on the exit of that turn. Those sand rollers are getting deeper. So the contractions, the force of them, the velocity of them, it changes every single lap. So we can't put off-road racing in the same basket as these traditional endurance sports, I don't think. I think it's a mistake to put them in the same basket. Can we utilize some of their methods? 100% we can. And we, we do. My clients do. We Like I say, we utilize zone 2 training to improve cardiac output, all of those cool things that low-intensity zone 2 training does. We just do it at a volume that is that meets their ability to tolerate their overall training for the week and improves their biggest limiter. So if they are more limited by cardiac output and aerobic delivery, then I might program them some more zone two volume. If that's not their limitation, their biggest physical limitation, we can just put that on maintenance and focus some of our energy on leveling up their biggest weaknesses. So. To give you an example, like if, say you're just the average guy who can get, say you can get two hours a week riding your dirt bike. Maybe you do two off-bike training sessions a week. One's like a heavy strength session, so we'd, we'd class that as a high-intensity session. And then another one is a, 
a higher intensity cardio session where you might be doing some interval work to sort of improve that higher end capacity. So say that that adds up to four hours a week, two hours on the bike, two hard training sessions. If we were to follow the 80-20 rule, that would mean you would have to do 16 hours of low intensity training to balance that out. Now, like I say, that kind of works if you're an, a, a long distance endurance athlete, like it's pretty common for a triathlete to put in 16 to 20 hours training a week. Most guys, like even my professional clients who race GNCC, they don't put in that amount of volume per week. So the average guy that, which is probably you listening to this podcast, because most of you are probably the average dude that just wants to be a bit fitter to race his dirt bike. Not it's even though that 16 hours is low intensity, fitting that into your weekly schedule, it's it's unobtainable. It's impossible for the average person. So how I like to come at it and how I apply that 80-20 in inverted commas, inverted commas principle is having hard days and easy days. I totally believe our training should be made up and that's how I program for most of my clients is some days are hard, some days are easy, and some days we're fully resting. I don't program active recovery. I don't believe in it. My, if, you're, if we're having a rest day, we're resting. We're doing nothing. Well, the only thing I program my clients on rest days is stretching. Might be some, some hip mobility or something like that. That's it. No activity on a rest day. So when we're training, we're either training hard or we're training at a lower intensity. So how an example of that would be like you might have um, a lower body dominant strength session and you might do some intervals in that tacked on to the end of that session. So that's a hard day. We're using some heavier loads for our lower body training and we're going to perform some intervals at the end of that session. So that's a hard training day. The next day we might have an upper body dominant strength session. It might include some mobility work or potentially some prehab for a past injury that we need to work on. And we'll also do some zone two training on that day. So that's an easy day. That day is going to be a lot easier to recover from than the lower body dominant day with some intervals in it. So that's a very simple example of how I might split up a client's program from a hard day and an easier day. Your writing will fit in around that depending on how much volume you can do, how many days you can train each week and how many days you can ride your dirt bike each week. That's a real simple way just to have harder days and easier days. So the key is knowing when to go hard, so when to push, and also having the energy available to do so. What I find is if you're, if every day is a hard day or you're trying to go hard every single day, what ends up happening is everything's just done at this moderate pace. It's definitely harder than easy, but it's not actually that hard in terms of maximum intensity. So you end up at this moderate or mediocre grinding pace. I find it's much better to have days when you're like, right, 
I'm dropping the fucking hammer today and I'm going to push hard and then have days where like, okay, today's a nice easy day. Just going to do some low intensity cardio, a bit of upper body work. And it's going to be pretty cruisy. So the key to having that energy available and being able to push on those days is supporting our output with adequate food, calories, protein, carbs, and get enough sleep. So a, a four-hour bike ride, even if it's at zone two, like going for a long pedal, even when the heart rate's low, it's going to feel pretty easy. I would argue that, that a, a long pedal, even if it is done at low intensity, heart rate zone two, is far more taxing on the body overall and the nervous system than a 60-minute strength session. That's like a hard, a pretty hard strength session. Training with heavy weights when the, when the volume is low but the intensity high is produces that sort of anabolic stimulus in the body, which is like a growth stimulus. Going for a pedal when you're depleting you, your body completely of glycogen, which happens 60 to 90 minutes even, at a, say it's at zone two, so you might get 90 minutes. Um, then you're completely depleted of glycogen, so you're basically draining your body stores right down to zero, and then you're relying on anything that's coming in. Hopefully you're having some nutrition um, through that ride. That is like a catabolic. It's like breaking down of the body when it's done in high volumes, even if the intensity is low. Even if it feels easy, it's still catabolic demand, a catabolic stress on the body. So again, when that's done in excess and the calories aren't there to support it and that's done week after week, month after month, that is very stressful on the body. And you're going to find it hard to have the energy to go hard on the days that you should be going hard on or you want to be going hard on and having energy to race a dirt bike for three hours if that's what you're going to do. Or even if you're just going to race it, to ride, go for a big trail ride with the boys on the weekend, you're going to do like a four-hour trail ride in single track and you want to be able to get up the gnarly hill climbs at, at the end of the day and keep up with all the boys, not be the dude at the back that everyone's waiting for. Like you need to be supporting that, that output with adequate food. And that's the biggest issue I see is people just pile on volume without eating anymore or they just don't know how much they're eating. They're like, oh yeah, I eat enough. Like, okay, have you tracked that? Do you know how much you eat? Oh no, I just eat enough. Like, okay. And then like, we might actually track that and say, like, okay, that's actually only 2,000 calories and you're burning three and a half or 4,000 a day. So you're in a 50% deficit all of the time. So the body's like super resilient. It can put up with that for a period of time. It's not going to put up with, up with it forever. And it's definitely not going to perform at an optimum level when you're in a massive calorie deficit. So that's how I like to break down. Or that's, I guess, how I apply that 80-20 principle to, to my programming. Have easier days, harder days, and rest days. Full rest days. So when we're resting, we're resting. A lot of my uh, 
pro clients. I've probably mentioned this on, on podcasts before if you've listened to all of them, but a couple of my pro clients, many of my um, like amateur level clients, two rest days a week. They're not training, grinding every day a week or and, and even having just one rest day a week. A lot of them have two full rest days a week. So they're, like I say, they're training hard on, on those other days, but they're definitely not grinding every day. And like I say, plenty of my clients have get outstanding results having two rest days a week. So more is not always better. It's that quality over quantity is most definitely the the biggest thing. Like I, I could confidently say that my clients would do lower amounts of training than especially like at the pro level, my pro clients who are racing GNCCs and AORCs, I'd confidently say they're doing far less volume off the bike than the, the guys they're lining up against. Like most of my clients are doing between three to six hours, six at the high end and, and three at the low end off bike training. That includes their strength and their cardio training. So, like that's pretty low when that's like at the pro level for guys off the bike. Like I've seen what some of those guys are doing and it's like a crazy amount. Like it's, it's well into the double digits off the bike. So yeah, like it's to progressively overload our training. There's lots of ways to progressively overload our training without just going for more volume. Like it's the, the easiest thing to do is just okay i'm just going to do more volume i'm just going to do that for two hours this week and instead of one hour last week i'm just going to add an hour of volume on that road leads nowhere like you can't just keep adding volume on all of the time you're going to reach a point where you've got you can't just keep piling volume on so you've got to figure out other ways to progressively overload your training and and improve the stimulus other than just volume, because volume is a road to nowhere. No one can just keep piling volume on. And especially, like I say, super common that guys don't know how much they're eating, so they pile more volume on without supporting that, doesn't end well. So the actual ratio, that 80-20, or the ratio of our training, it just doesn't actually matter that much. Definitely worthwhile doing easier days and harder days and lower intensity sessions, most definitely. The ratio doesn't really matter. What matters most is you're supporting your training load across the week with adequate nutrition and adequate sleep. And that goes for anyone, whether you're a pro doing 15 hours of training a week to a vet rider that's doing three hours of training a week. It doesn't matter what matters. The training volume doesn't matter. What matters is the overall stress we place on our body. And that comes from everything, not just the training. It comes from our life, our relationships, finances, all of those things. If we're not supporting that stress load with adequate amounts of sleep and nutrition and obviously hydration too, then we're not. our body's not going to adapt our body's going to break down. And over time, 
we're not going to progress. We're actually going to, at the very least, stay where we are and we'll get to a point where we'll start to go backwards and we'll either get sick or injured and start to break down. So ideally, we don't want that to happen. Ideally, we want to be progressing, getting better, but we want to do it with the least amount of volume possible because, like I say, you can't just keep doing more volume. You've got to figure out a way to do it with the least amount of volume possible. So that's enough for today. I could ramble on forever about that probably, but that's how I apply the, the 80 rule, the 80-20 rule to my programming, the, the low, high intensity. Um, any questions on that, shoot us a DM or shoot us an email. If you're not signed up to the email list, I'll drop a link in the show notes of this podcast episode where you can sign up to the to the email list, that one. I'll put the one in there that has a race day process PDF. That was a PDF I whipped up over the Christmas break. It's a race day process PDF. So it's just taking you through the process of what you need to know to execute on race day. That's the biggest thing I see between my clients who get the best results is they know everything that they are going to do on race day to the finest detail because they've tested it for years and years. Not only have they tested it, they've refined it. They've found the best way to do it for them. So I can't tell you exactly what to do on race day. I can't tell you exactly what to eat or the exact warm-up to do because it's not going to be the same for you as it is for me or as it is for one of my my pro-level clients who wins GNCC. It's going to be a little bit different. You need to personalize it, but that's the biggest thing I can tell you from work, working with these guys that win is they know what their process is and they've fine-tuned it to the finest detail. And they do that because they're always looking for ways to improve. So they're always like, okay, how can I improve my nutrition on race day? How can I tweak that breakfast I'm having on race day so I feel a little bit more energized? How can I tweak my warm-up routine before the race so I feel like I can drop the hammer straight and sprint hard from the start? All of those little things. So that PDF has a list there of everything that my clients work on and work on fine-tuning and you can actually write that down. You can have your own process and write that down and that's just a super simple thing you can do that will give you confidence on race day because if you're rolling up to the start of the race and you're like, eh, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know how much um, calories or sodium I'm going to put in my hydration pack or how, how much I'm going to drink for this race. I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to get an egg and bacon from the canteen if the canteen's even open or maybe if they just have a snag in bread, I'll just get that instead. Like <laughs> if you're just going to go with the flow and have, have a random process on race day, you're more than likely going to get a random result. The more confidence you can have in knowing what you need to do on race day and executing that, the better you will perform on race day. It's like, it seems simple. It's oversimplification, but I can guarantee you that is the easiest way for you to build self-belief and confidence on race day 
is to write down your race day process. So you've got it on paper. And then you can even do it like if you're if you've got a pit crew or it's your mum or your dad or whoever it is that's who's your team at the race, they need to know what that is too. They need to know what the plan is. Like, what are we going to do? What's the schedule? What's the strategy? What's the hydration strategy? What's the what's the fueling strategy? If everyone's on the same page, it's much easier to execute. So that's just a super simple tip that I could give you guys a little bit of value. And if you sign up to that email list, there's a free PDF that you'll be able to download to your inbox um, that has a bit more detail about that. And, and it's got it, like I say, it's got a list there of all of the things that you can actually write down on a bit of paper and create your own personalized race day process. So that'll be in the show notes. Otherwise, I will see you all on the next episode, guys. Bye-bye.